0: We've covered a lot in this episode and we still didn't cover a lot of points in it.
1: (laughs) This this might have to get broken into two episodes. (laughs)
0: show fodder right there. So then we cut to Charlie and Laura, and, <laughs> and they roll up on a motorcycle, some some fancy house, right? <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's... And I love
1: the symbol. They're wearing helmets, which yeah. makes me laugh because we've seen everyone... We just saw all those bikers at the biker bar, right? Nobody's wearing a helmet. No. And then they... they, they someone pulls up wearing helmets. like two and, of them- and,
0: and disguised in, you know, full-shield-type helmets where you can't tell who's actually on the, on the motorcycle. And... They pull up and take off their helmets. I'm like, "It's Charlie and Laura." So he's super reluctant about what's going on there, and then she says, "Like it's gonna be okay." And he's like, "Hey, you know what? You know if we were in hell, hell would look like my parents' place." So I'm like, "Oh, there is Mom and Dad's house. All right, cool." And they walk inside, and they're greeted by David's mom. Again, yeah, we just know it's David's mom because he says "mom." <laughs> That's about we got right. to go with, right?
1: The old Ackerman spread.
0: Yeah. Dave was kind of making his way around the the party and he's kind of looking around, scanning around. And who does he see in the far corner? He sees his new partner. Yeah. Like, like what rolling a
1: cigar around in his like, hand. What,
0: what the what? And so he Hiya Nick. He makes his way over there. Hiya Nick. He's like, Oh, we in now? <laughs> Dude, we're on a first name basis. Dude, this is this is super smiley, Clint. You're like, who the who's this guy? You don't right? see him very much. And he's like, he's Sheen's, on something. Sheen,
1: Sheen's next line is pure brilliance.
0: Yes. Are you, Are you here sh- to arrest
1: my mother for substance abuse? <laughs> that's a joke that works. This is like at the height of Charlie's fucking substance abuse issues. Yeah.
0: Right. <laughs> it's pretty great. And I think that's why they keep that line in there. Cause Clint, yeah. Clint kind of takes the air out of his, you know, out of his sale when he says that's funny. That's funny. Like that. <laughs> it's just so weird. So Clint starts questioning Charlie, like, you know, what are you doing all this? Thing? Like, you got a maid here, man. You know, I talked to your uncle, man. You've got all this education. I'm like, oh, shit, I'm not going to hear this shit from you, too, am I? And then he goes, by the way, who invited you? <laughs> and then he hears the voice ben? out of nowhere, I did, David. And I'm like, it's Tom Skerritt. Oh, my gosh, I'm so excited. It's Tom Skerritt until he starts acting. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, Tom Scared, what are you doing?
1: Yeah, what's ha- what happened to Tom Skerritt?
0: I don't know, man. David, I love. By the way, I love how how Charlie just kind of like ducks away. Like he, they yep. don't stay on him. No, just, he just he's in out. foreground blurred as he just as we're focusing on Tom and Clint talking, and set. he just walks away, dude.
1: And they throw that line in there. I never see him, and he and he, he was he cuts me, he cuts me off, and he won't even talk to me. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, like, Weird because it was like yeah. It seemed like such a forced, weird line, even worse than when I said
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And when I know I what you're trying to say. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, so, you know, David's dad just, you know, saying, that, hey, man, he's just not built for this. You know, he takes out a wad of cash.
1: <laughs> Dude, right? I mean, come on.
0: And he just so, so, sticks it in Clint's pocket. I want to guarantee David's safety.
1: Right. You want to guarantee?
0: Buy a toaster.
1: Right, 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 right. That's yes. I'm not My laughing because it's
0: funny. I'm laughing because it just falls flat as far as I'm concerned. Wah,
1: wah, wah. <laughs> See, it was so bad. I didn't even remember it. I thought there was a yellow pages. Uh,
0: no, no, that's what he says to Charlie.
1: Oh, right.
0: Yeah. And then he basically he rolls back and says the same shit. It's almost the same exchange. The words have changed a little bit, but it's still the same thing. He walks up to Charlie and Clint says, Tell your father next time he needs a babysitter, check the yellow pages. It's a lot cheaper. Then he tucks the money into Charlie's pocket and walks off. Now, yeah. the whole tucking the money into his pocket, it's only funny. It's only a it's only a, a funny gesture to Charlie if Charlie was around to see it happen with his dad and sure. Clint. He wasn't though. So nope. it's just weird.
1: It is weird.
0: David gets all shitty, right? <laughs> and he's just he's like a, he's bailing. By the way, he's not whether he's a husband or a boyfriend or a third cousin, whatever he is to Laura Flamboyle, he, he does not treat her nice. No. He's a he's a he's such a dick to her.
1: Nor is bike.
0: Yeah, and he bails, he's bailing on her. He goes out to get on the motorcycle to split and it won't start. So he's like fuck it's all pissy and kicks it over.
1: Now, maybe I ask you a question: Did Clint fuck with it? Is that why it wouldn't start?
0: Yeah, right? yeah.
1: Because because Clint really can fix the motorcycles.
0: That's 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 my feeling that's about
1: my, it. Mine too. Like the whole thing, like he let Charlie like figure like he fixed the motorcycle. Right. Oh, you can't. You know, it was that kind of sagey kind of moment that doesn't ever pay off.
0: <laughs> right, and I think Charlie thinks it is too. I think I still think he thinks Clint fuck with him too because it was bike was working just fine before. Sure. And I think that's why he he gets so shitty about it. And Laura walks up and to join him and, and just said, "Hey, let's take off." And he takes up the money, just drops on the ground, and they split. Money's in a frame, and walks these boots, and a hand reaches down with a cigar in it and picks up the money. I'm like, "Oh, it's Clint." Clint just like stood there and it's like "He fucked with the bike just to see," and he stood in the in the shadows to watch Charlie like sure. get, get pissy with it.
1: Wants to see what kind of partner he's got. Yeah,
0: I think I think he's kind of alluding to the fact that look, he's some rich dude. You know, why is he doing this? He doesn't need to do this. What's his deal? And he wants to find, like you said, he wants to find out more about this guy that he's counting on to back him up and when he needs a real backup. It's the only moment in the movie where it doesn't feel particularly forced. I get you it's a it's a motivation that makes sense. Um, but for the most part, the movie's full of um, curiously, you know, lacking a motivation. So now we get the Morales, and he's breaking into Strom's house. Because <laughs> you know, yeah. let, let, let's 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 up my uh, my game by breaking into into Strom's house. But obviously, he's this is the point where he's working for Clint, and he's going to go in there and bug the place. I don't know why. Do you know why? Did he just all of a sudden jump on the couch as he heard Strom winking up? Yeah.
1: And, Right, because he he's he he's putting the bug underneath the table. Right, and as he stood up, Stro- he heard Strom about to, and so he 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 scurries out from under the table and right. just kind of plops down on the couch and tries to look natural.
0: And then starts lighting up a cigar. Yeah, <laughs> and Strom comes comes out and starts telling Morales, and he goes, "Oh, you know, you're up in your game now, huh? You're you're breaking into you're breaking into places now." He's like, "You know, I have like to keep myself sharp." Like, <laughs> what the fuck, dude?
1: And what's weird is, like, it's late at night, right? Right. And Strom and uh, Braga both come out of the bedroom. Right. <laughs> Again, I'm not sure what's going on.
0: Let, 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 let's talk about that for Lisa. a moment, man. You got, you got Charlie, who we still don't know who Laura is to him. And you got Braga. We don't know who she is to Raul. It's weird, yep. right? The, sure. The, the I don't know. that The two couples... Or perceived couples in the whole movie, and you still don't know what their actual relationship is. The only them.
1: people you know there is Tom Skerritt and his wife, <laughs> Charlie's parents.
0: Yeah, but you know who knows? If, are they divorced too? Who knows? Because they never, you never see them together, even though they're at the same party. It's bizarre. So Strom just tells Morales, "You're over, man. You're <laughs> Felix over. is a punk, and he rolled over on you." <laughs> it's like I know all about you, fucker, and you caused me a lot of trouble. <laughs> you took me for a ride, now it's your turn. So again, he's got great lines, and again, Raúl Julia just delivers them perfectly. And the whole time, Braga standing behind him while you know was giving him. him she's him,
1: slowly moving around Yeah, it's cracking weird.
0: her knuckles, <laughs> just kind of like waiting for an opportunity to just like get to give me the cue so I can murder this guy. Yeah, Anyway, he's a cut to the junkyard that we saw earlier with this Beamer, beamer getting. Swung around by the uh, on the crane by Clint, and his Beamer gets dropped into a pile of shit, and and all of a sudden Morales' body parts are kind of like flopping out of the trunk. (laughs) I'm like, oh man, he, I guess he's, guess he's getting buried in his Beamer after all. It's not good, man.
1: No, this is they're like, is this your guy? This is this your undercover guy, Nick?
0: Morales got a bullet hole in his forehead. We he's dead.
1: Chief and you know Charlie, him and Charlie and Clint's like, nope sure as hell isn't
0: yeah he's like not even I'd, close not our guy and then kind of Clint kind of looks at charlie like shut your mouth kid <laughs> right <laughs> say thing. so now we're outside on the hillside overlooking strome's house i'm like oh it's stakeout time with clinton charlie right i don't want to be a dick or anything but could you be more obvious that you're, <laughs> you're... why else would you be there
1: how could like, my my question when I, immediately that wide shot is how if you're in that house with all the yes. windows how could you not see that yes. car parked up on the hill right
0: because what 3 4 minutes before that when he kicks over the TV we see that hill in the background off to the yeah. left I'm like if I can see the hill how can you not see the hill yeah it's weird it's but but you know what is it any different than kind of, the, it's almost like they're alluding to the stilt house in Lethal 2.
1: I was just going to say, it's exactly that.
0: Yeah, it's weird. Anyway, you could be more obvious as he's sitting in his van <laughs> up on this hill. Because that's another thing too, is the hill is higher up than the house. You can't, oh, yeah. You there's no way, if you can't miss that house, you most certainly from the house can't miss that van is just randomly sitting on the empty hill, so David starts talking about you know he's worried about shit and you know hey why are we on the stakeout and they're having it out like they're doing every other buddy cop movie, it's still entertaining um, yeah. but but just kind of goes they're going back and forth with their dialogue and and Clint goes and tries to punch Charlie <laughs> and Charlie catches the punch. Right, and, and
1: Clint does his crazy eye thing. Yeah,
0: or he just kind of like squints and or like his Philo
1: Bettos it up for a moment. Yeah,
0: <laughs> totally. Yeah. Anyway, so but you know, was not buying the idea that he's only after Strom because of what happened to Hal. And then Clint starts talking about this. Is to me, this is the thing that I mean. This is what how explains why he's got such a hard on for Strom and why he's you know he's making a career out of taking this guy down because he is making a career. He kills. So he's always considered himself like a small time cop. And, uh, in that his career was always going to be defined by being nobody that made a big bust. He's always been just your standard mediocre cop. And then along came Strom, who he's like, man, this guy's going to make my career worthwhile, man. I'm going to end up on, I'm going to yeah, end man. my career on top.
1: It's the big bust.
0: Yeah. It's the big bust for him. this is the one that's going to make my career. This is going to bump. It's going to put me in the books kind of thing. Then we cut to nighttime and they're just kind of wrapping up their steak out. This is one of the times though, where we go from day to night in the same location. It's the only time it happens. Yeah. And because they literally go from one scene to the next and they're still at the location. It's at nighttime. And then he's like, yeah, wake up, kid. We just hit the jackpot. And we cut to the bicycle club. Another... Another card house, you know, another, <laughs> I mean, three episodes ago, we were talking about it in, in, uh, Walter Hills, the driver and bicycle clubs still around. Of course, they are not getting a lot of business right
1: now. <laughs> right.
0: They're considered casinos around town because they have to be third. I don't know. Back then they were identified that way. You get these card clubs all over town, all over LA, all over California. this is before, um. More casino like Las Vegas, Atlantic City type of gambling was available. This is just pretty much poker, yes, and that's this it. Cards. Yeah. yeah. Again, this is a recognizable place. As soon as you see it, I'm like, Oh, that's Bicycle Club, right on. You see Strom, and he's meeting with the uh, the club manager, and Hey, man, good luck on the tables today, Mister Strom, and and good luck with all that. And then again, cliched lines, but still work when they come out of Raul Julia's mouth. And he says, I like, stopped believing in luck a long time ago. It's funny though. Why I don't hear his German accent in this. I hear I hear Gomez every time he talks.
1: It's a, yeah, totally.
0: It's not a, it's a distraction at all. It's just funny to me that it, that it just hit me. That's kind of how I hear it because that's how I repeated it. We're seeing intercutting going on between different parts of the casino, and we see Strum's henchmen like doing some dues and one of them sets up a briefcase in the bathroom, kind of pushes it in one of the stalls, and. And he gets ready to leave the bathroom and cut the loco. Now he's in a dining, at a dining table overlooking the card room and he sits down a briefcase too. And he kind of gets up and cut back to the bathroom. And now the bathroom case is smoking and then back to the diner. And now it's smoking and now it's filling up the casino and the patrons are starting to see that. And then they start panicking and they freak out and they head to the exits. And I'm thinking, oh man, they got to rob the cage. You know, I thought this is <laughs> again, right? this is, Maybe lifting some stuff from the driver in this too? Come on. What are you doing? Card room manager we saw earlier, he's just kind of running around a little bit of pain trying to figure out what's going on. And Brocka pulls a gun on him and <laughs> takes him to the back room. And there's Strom waiting for him and just says, hey, you know what? I'm broke, man. <laughs> yeah,
1: we're robbing this joint.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. So crack open that safe, man. So I, 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 want, the, I want the $2 bucks out of it. He opens the opens the safe and Strom is met with a gun in his face. And it's Clinton, Charlie. They're inside the safe.
1: What? Huh? Well, how, what, oh, they had a bug in the house.
0: Oh, that's right. So now though, we hit the jackpot line doesn't isn't it, it falls even flatter because they're making a casino joke. Sure. But you don't Jack know pot. that in the moment. <laughs> Now they're frisking the group, you know. It's Braga and and Roel, and, and then I think they had like one henchman, right? The one guy set up the the briefcase, right?
1: Yes, Cruz or somebody.
0: Yeah, so he's just kind of chilling. The only person that's not there that was part of all this is Loco. Loco's waiting outside in the in the van, the getaway van, to drive off, and he's waiting for the rest of them. And he, you, you'll see him in a moment. But as they're frisking these guys, Braga immediately turns to Charlie and sets her sights on him. And starts walking slowly. And Clint just looks at him. (laughs) You know, these days of uh, police brutality, I don't know how this line would go over well today. But he just goes, "Shoot her, (laughs) shoot her!" Charlie just and he's backing up as quicker than she's walking towards him. And he
1: just—he's doing the Eugene Martone.
0: Yeah, I'm not doing it. (laughs) Two Eugene movies in a row. This is Eugene. Oh, uh, Tom Skerritt is Eugene Ackerman.
1: Yes.
0: So there you go. Yeah. Eugene's. I guess it's, Eugene's only for rich people. Yeah,
1: hey man. Only rich kids are going to Eugene and yeah. not get
0: their ass kicked. But Charlie's refusing to shoot it. I mean, he's like, panic, I'm not going to do it. And, and then now Clint gets distracted and Raul Julia knocks him down. <laughs> go back over and now Clint's got a knife to his throat. And Charlie's just like trying to control the situation. He'll freeze, and she gets knocked down, and then she she has her gun to him and shoots Charlie in the back. Braga just goes amateur.
1: Right. At least she didn't say rookie.
0: Yeah, because that would have been bad. You'd be like, oh, he said the rookie. They look in the safe and they find, oh, you know what? The only thing was in that safe where Charlie and Clint, <laughs> it's totally empty. Yeah, it's, there's nothing in there. And the, the hood's just like, well, what are we going to do? You know, what are we, we going to do? And then they cut to roll and it just goes, to improvise. And so now we're outside and police cars are showing up and a lot of police cars are showing up. <laughs> Obviously, they call for backup, right? Too and late. L- Loco is in the van outside waiting for them to come out so they can get away, and he just goes, "Oh fuck this!" He starts at the van and takes off as a swarm of cops just start showing up. He's like, "I'm out." So all the cops are surrounding Strom as he's bringing Clint out of the casino with the with Clint's gun barrel shoved in his mouth, and he's just like, "Hey man, I'm gonna I'm gonna kill him. If you guys make a move." Garcia's like, he's been standing there and he's really, you know, he's reluctantly saying, they, they let them leave. And, you know, we don't want him to kill, we don't want them to kill our boy. And then Strom says, man, you know, you guys stole too many dollars from me. Yeah, and you got 24 hours to get that back for me or your man dies. And that's it. And he goes, hey, we're going to take your, <laughs> take your cop car. Is that cool? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Take it. And they hop in the car. But just before that, he says, I'll be scanning all your frequencies. And if I hear any of you, are following us, I'm going to kill him. Garcia.
1: Overacting, he's yelling at the top of his lungs. Yeah, I hear you. How can we be sure you won't kill him anyway? You can't, can you?
0: Call Carlis and cut back to the front doors, and here comes Charlie staggering out without a shirt on for some reason. <laughs> Why did he take his shirt off? I'm like, I already know he has a vest on because he's walking, right?
1: Yeah. Uh, limping
0: yeah whatever he's 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 upright on his own
1: he's shot in the back and he's limping weird.
0: yeah yeah because yeah if you hit something if you have some vertebrae it's going to affect your legs like that then you're probably not walking at all
1: (laughs) maybe he felt maybe he hurt himself when he fell (laughs) (laughs) this is the landing
0: i fell on my penis so then he just collapses and (laughs) which is you know like oh look at that he had a vest on and now we're cut to uh, Garcia's walking with the captain back at the station. Captain's like going, Yeah, the city's not going to fork over any money to any ransom money to save Nick. He's like, You yeah, know, they don't want to set a bad precedent. So now the captain and Garcia will roll up, and here's and here's uh, Charlie sitting in the, at the table, just kind of dejected. Well, mostly because he got shot. And so he's got, got probably got three big fucking bruises on his back.
1: Well, right, and he punked out,
0: and then the captain, what a dick, right? You got in the back, didn't you? yeah <laughs> what an asshole man! your man just got shot, and your other and your vet is probably gonna die, and you're like, whatever, yeah, I mean i get I get he maybe he's kind of blaming him for being the position that he's in, I don't know, but.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I they took it as like you know you, you took it in the back like you were running away. I mean, uh, I mean, it was like okay, or you got ambushed and shot in the back. One or the other. I mean, yeah, <laughs> you know, you weren't there. You didn't have video.
0: <laughs> you don't know. Or did they?
1: <laughs> you don't know.
0: Oh shit! You cut back to David. And he's at home now, and he's having flashbacks now. And we're getting more of that brother flashback again. We we don't get enough, and then. David just slams his head into the mirror.
1: Yeah, this 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 mo- This is another Martin Riggs moment. Like
0: it's a Martin Riggs moment in a big way. It's the, the I mean, what the difference between this and in the scenes well, in this you trailer? Know,
1: you really know what it is? It's it's exactly. Here is what it is. It's Martin Sheen punching the mirror in Apocalypse Now. Mm. Is what it is.
0: Uh, see, that's even lamer now. I didn't <laughs> mind him. Them- I, I didn't mind him stealing from Lethal Weapon, and now I'm like going, oh, dude, that's even stupider.
1: I mean, I don't know. I mean, I just, if I think about it, it's like, oh, wait, where have I seen this before? Oh, yeah, it was Apocalypse Now, and it was your dad.
0: <laughs> no wonder. It looked familiar.
1: Oh, that's why.
0: <laughs> oh, shit. Laura wakes up, and she hears what's going on, and she goes and questions him. And again, man, Charlie being a dick. <laughs>
1: Yeah, dude, he just like it's total dick.
0: And now he's just now he's another dude. Now it's like it, like he flipped a switch. I'm like, this is what I was saying earlier about are we sure he's not completely, you know, that he doesn't have a condition, that he's not, doesn't have multiple personalities, right? Well, this is where it turns
1: into a Charlie Sheen movie, too,
0: right? Because then Clint's gone, dude. We, we see Clint like every, I don't know, every five to ten minutes. We don't see him at all anymore. And even though you know, he's Clint Eastwood. He's like, yeah, it's a time for me to be stop being scared and for other people to start. Don't,
1: don't, don't. I felt like they were going to cue. Any other movie, they would have cued some, like, you know, they would have cued some music. They would have, you know, but <laughs> here they cue some jazz. <laughs> right? Which oddly, and, again, takes me right back to Sinatra. Right. She's like, oh, I don't
0: like this. And he's like, nobody asked you to. Like, oh, no my one gosh. asked you to. You're being a dick Sarah. again, dude. Like nobody asked you to, but weren't you the one just saying earlier or she was saying to him earlier? I'm like, I've, I've followed you everywhere and I've, you know, I've gone along with every decision that you've made. So why is he being a dick like that now? But then again, it's, again, it's not, he's been a dick the whole time, right? Nothing new. No. So then we cut to Strom on the phone and Clint's tied up and Braga is just in the background caressing your gun, which again, like we said earlier, I think that's her thing. Right? She's big, yeah. she's fond of guns and not just the ones that you uh, have triggers and have, that you shoot.
1: Well, they all have a trigger and they all shoot, don't they?
0: Except for Strom's. <laughs> Except for Strom's. And Clint's just firing back, you know, you know, giving it back. And, and then and then he gets an Ellen Bark into the back of the head from Brock. <laughs> yep. She does that a few times in this, man. She does. She gets Ellen barkings him. And Strom turns and goes, Tisk, kiss, tisk, tisk, you know. <laughs> that's no way to treat two million dollars worth of merchandise.
1: Now, is that any way to treat two? Is it two or ten?
0: Two million, because that's what he thought he was gonna steal. Yeah.
1: Right, 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 right. So it's uh, an odd seems like an oddly low number, but it hey, does.
0: But so does the two million dollar budget, right?
1: Yeah, weird. Wow, well, we've only got two million.
0: Yeah, I'm like man, you're working that hard to make two million. Is that it? No wonder you're going back to Germany. What the hell? Or
1: back to Brazil.
0: He never really said. really say. They really say it just says home, right?
1: Right. Yeah. So we don't know where they're. I mean, I, I always kind of just gathered they were South American German by way of South America.
0: Right. Escape location for the Third Nazis. Reich. Yeah.
1: Yes. Doctor Mengele's kids, Liesl and Strom.
0: Do you know? I've never seen the boys from Brazil. What? I know, right? Stop. I know. I know. And I, I think, I think the premise of the movie is got me like going, I don't want to ruin them. I don't, I don't want to see it and not have it hold up.
1: Uh, yeah. Well, we'll talk about it. We can, we we can talk about it when we get through this. Uh, yeah. Yes. It's. Yeah. Yeah. see, so don't get me started.
0: Okay. <laughs> so when Max walks up. I'm like, oh, look, Max is still working for Strom. And he tells the plate, tells him the place is rigged to blow and gives him this remote detonator. And then Strom leans into Clinton and says, I'm going to have to leave this place real soon, thanks to you. But when I go, he lovingly at his remote and says, I go with a bang.
1: With a bang. Not if you ask Liesl. <laughs>
0: Uh I, This point of the movie, this is like, this is the beginning of the third act. in most movies, no, there's still a fucking hour left from here. Yep. An hour. And I think that's why the movie feels so long. It's because what's usually the, you know, the second act, is usually the biggest part of the movie, the third act is long. It is like in lengthwise, as far as the portion of the story that's being told that it, the third act is as big as most second acts. It's huge. It's long. Because most movies, once that moment sets up, like, yeah, oh, yeah, this building's going to blow up. <laughs> you got 15 minutes left of the movie. That's it. Most
1: I, And I, I was kind of feeling it. Like I was like, okay. And then I looked and I'm like, Oh God. Right. We're an hour and two minutes in and it's an hour and 50. We got 48 minutes to go. What are they going to do?
0: I'm going to lean back on lethal weapon here. When we, the escape is coming up from this, from this building. We're still 10 minutes away from 15 minutes away from that even happening. That is the equivalent of them escaping the, the, the club. In Lethal Weapon, when they just pop out on Hollywood Boulevard and everything like sure. that, sure, because you have that much time between that and the end of the movie as you do in this. It's it's just they take the same cue where like it's like a false ending, and like oh no no we got another thirty minutes to go. <laughs> it's just it's a lot, but then again, how long is Lethal Weapon? Lethal Weapon is one fifty, right? Uh,
1: one forty seven ish. I yeah. think, somewhere around
0: there. It, it's sub two hours, but it's. Post one, it's, but it's above a hundred minutes, but that's a, that's a mean. You, if you shorten this movie, 10 minutes, it's not as it, you're going to notice it. It's, it's not going to feel as long cause it's long. Yeah.
1: one forty nine. 49 <laughs> lethal weapon.
0: There you go. Anyway, so the cut to Charlie and, <laughs> and he's at Nick's and he's stealing that Harley, that he's been, it was admiring earlier and he goes to the biker bar, La, La Casablanca.
1: La Casablanca, the white house.
0: Which is great because the only white guy in the place is... The bartender. So the, the white population at this bar doubles when uh, Charlie goes inside and he goes and talks to the bartender from earlier. And now he's after Loco. He's like, I'm worse Loco. And the bartender tells him to go home before you get beat up the worst you did last time and he blows smoke in his face again. And Charlie looks down and sees a Zippo lighter, and <laughs> picks it up and lights it a couple of times and grabs a bottle of tequila and fills up his mouth and fire breeze all over the dude's face
1: fireballs
0: and charlie's like having a one-man army fight with against these the patrons of the bar this time he's not on the ground turns
1: into eddie kuzak and starts fighting people one at a time
0: it's so good and ironically it involves pool sticks
1: yeah man pool sticks
0: It, he's, and he's in charge of tossing fools around, but he's taking his licks too. There's no, this yeah, isn't a sure. one-sided it's, fight. Yeah,
1: man, there's some, it's give and take.
0: Yep, so he finally pulls his gun out, and as he does, as everybody kind of backs off, and then you hear the the growls, and now he's getting fucked with dogs again. Now the pit bulls that you saw earlier in the fighting are coming after him. And one's like chewing on his arm, and the other one is like chewing on his leg. And then he starts Ellen barking to one. Right, starts of pests the, the dog. in the head and it's just like, whoa, what the hell, man? And then he reaches down and shoots the dog down by his feet. <laughs> it was like yep.
1: If you didn't like Charlie Sheen up until this point, now you really don't like him. You
0: <laughs> really don't like him, man. Is that winning? No, man. You killed the fucking you're beating up a dog and then you killed another one. I know like they dude, if were he was gonna...
1: drinking if he was drinking his tiger's blood, he wouldn't have had to shoot those dogs. <laughs>
0: Well, he would have just snapped that neck. one. who would have on thought at
1: this point in 2020 that Clint Eastwood would look younger than Charlie Sheen?
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I notice he shoots the dog after after giving the other a few raps on the head.
1: Yep, a couple raps on the head, and then he shoots one, and then, then every then everybody backs off. Oh man, he's. He's loco,
0: shooting that gun. So he's shooting bottles. He's shooting. He's not shooting anybody. He's just blowing holes in the no, place. No, it's
1: like he's at the carnival.
0: Yeah, and then he, once he's done, he goes full arsonist, man. And he says, "Let's get hot." And then he lights up. He lights up all the alcohol that's been strewn about from him shooting up the place. And then of course the patrons like, "Holy shit, this place is on fire!" I'm out of here. And they all bail. And now he's still. He's still in there, and he grabs a hold of the bartender bartender puts his for, puts his gun against his forehead and just says, hey, man, tell me something I want to know. And he's like, where's Logo Hangout? And he goes, man, I don't know anything. He just shows up. And he's like, all right, what about Little Phoenix? And he's like, oh, Felix. He's like, ah, he's got a dry clean place over on 3rd and Howard. And so off he goes. <laughs> and, he, and, he get, and as he walks out, he goes, you know what? I never did pay for that beer. <laughs> he throws his money down, leaves, hops on his bike, and leaves La Casablanca on fire.
1: All in fuego, man, in fuego, yeah. as uh, Stuart Scott would say.
0: R.I.P. Stuart. Strom is like giving drop-off questions, you know, instructions for the money. The captain's pushing back, man. <laughs> uh, by the way, I, we mentioned this earlier about the dialogue. I almost feel like no matter what I say, the dialogue and the overacting cannot be emphasized enough, and I feel like I'm going to constantly be interjecting sound bites in this movie, from this movie. Yeah, the edit's gonna be a bit.
1: Yeah, it's uh, no, no, you know, you're you're absolutely because the dialogue. It, this is where Strom calls in.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so Captain's pushing back on it, and I, you know, with Strom's drop-off instructions, and then Strom just goes click, <laughs> hangs up on him. Garcia and and Captain are kind of go out a little bit back and forth, They're just kind of being shitty about it, and Captain's being a dick. So Strum calls back. This time Garcia answers the phone and greets the conditions and goes, But but I wanna hear Nick's voice. I need to hear his voice. And then the clinched line is like says, Now you boys take it easy and save your money. I've got these people right where I want them.
1: Yeah great. And the, look on, the look on Strom's face. Yeah,
0: he's he's like surprised at Nick's hubris. He's just kind of like, what?
1: He almost, he kind of cracks a smile and almost laughs. A
0: little, a little impressed, a little impression, like going with the balls, right?
1: And somebody else is very impressed. Yeah.
0: Liesl. She's like, oh, hey, you know, I already had a thing for you earlier, so now I am really got a thing for you. I can't wait Tough till guy. my boyfriend, brother, cousin leaves and
1: <laughs> whatever he is. <laughs>
0: So Strom gets back on on the phone and tells Garcia that, he, you know, I hey, I hope you respect the situation better than your boy does here. <laughs> get off the phone and Garcia looks at everybody in the room and says, Oh, sounds like Nick's got them unnumbered. The only line that he delivers in the whole movie where he's not overacting. We cut to the cleaners, now it's daytime again. I wanna know why did it take Charlie so long to get to the cleaners? <laughs> because it's at night. And then when he shut to the cleaners, it's mid morning. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I think it's super weird. Like it's almost like uh, you know, I'm gonna go home and take a nap <laughs> for he five or six have. hours.
1: Yeah, he was. He you know he had to tend to those dog bites. You don't want those to get infected.
0: <laughs> no. So he rolls up on his motorcycle and, and he walks into the place and Candygram for Mr. Mongo and like man, he said the line wrong.
1: Yes, he did. It's just Candygram for Mongo. Just Candygram for Mongo.
0: And it's quiet and it's dead and there nothing. I mean, lights are off in the place and then the the carousel of uh, in the dry cleaner shirts going, and He's like, well, what the hell did that? And he's kind of like being careful, just trying to see around the corner. And then as he's kind of looking, Oh, there's little Felix.
1: Oh, uh, we see, we see him long before Charlie sees him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's At dead.
1: first I thought it was just his head. Like I thought I was like, Oh man, they cut his head off and put it. And then like, Oh no, no there, there's the body.
0: Yeah. And you don't really, and there's no bullet wound that you can see. I'm like, how oh, well, and how's he? No. How's he dead? Well you're only gonna find out in a moment. <laughs> Cause yeah. Loco attacks Charlie from behind and he's he he's gonna he's gonna strangle him just the Everybody way he strangled is, little Felix. Yeah.
1: Everybody's getting Charlie from behind. Yeah. In this movie. <laughs>
0: it's the way of
1: the it's the way of the uh the, the it's the way of the G writers. <laughs> so Get him from behind.
0: <laughs> oh man. Anyway, so they're struggling. Not a little thing else going on. He's just It's just a fight of I'm gonna I'm trying to kill you and I'm trying to stop you from killing me and they crash the crash to the front window of the cleaner the loco gets up and 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 tells the whole crowd around him in Spanish that hey man this guy just killed. Felix. <laughs> he just killed little Felix, man. He's in there. He killed him. Gringo killed him. So they start punching and kicking him. And right. He's getting his away. ass kicked
1: again, just like at the bar.
0: Right. So he pushes them all away enough to draw his weapon and fires around and, you know, kind of back off a little bit. And gets over towards his motorcycle and he's still, and then even after he fired the gun, he still got to shoo away these dudes that are standing around his motorcycle. I thought that was kind of funny. So he gets on his motorcycle and pieces out.
1: You know what we t- forgot was the moment. It made me laugh, and I wanted to mention it. This symbolic moment uh, when he comes out of the La Casa Blanca and it's burning, and his helmet is lying there. He throws his helmet on the ground because this is the moment where he's changed. He doesn't wear a helmet anymore. Right. And, and then, and then we just we stay on the helmet and we see the reflection of the fucking place burning in the helmet as he drives away.
0: Well, what's funny because I thought the helmet thing too. When they're at his parents' house, because he didn't, he didn't, he was taken right. off, and the helmet was on the floor, was already on the right. ground. So, well, so when probably... he wears the helmet later on, I'm like, why is he wearing a helmet again?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a double helmet. Just
0: <laughs> <That's> weird. <laughs> this, I, is I, movie, this
1: is a movie about helmets,
0: <laughs> especially in that warehouse seat coming yeah, up.
1: Lots of helmets. <laughs> uh, a werewolf.
0: Oh, (laughs) Dude, seriously, man. When that silver bullet thing comes up around her neck and I'm just like going, holy shit, dude. Yeah. Ah, Foreshadowing. I had no idea. So after he takes off uh, from the cleaners, cut to Garcia and he gets off the phone. He's super pissed. He's super hot now because he's finding out some dudes run all over town blowing shit up and beating people up and, setting things on fire and he goes and i guess from what they tell me it sounds like ackerman <laughs> so he says
1: that little the, the yellow rookie when he calls him the yellow rookie yeah the is captain that, yeah the, the, like oh man yeah that guy is just yeah I, you know for a mo- for a bit I, for, I i thought he was in on it i kept thinking oh, the captain? captain's in on it right
0: <laughs> yeah i almost thought for a lot of times i thought garcia was in on it
1: yeah it's a few people
0: yeah so he grabs a, grabs some a couple other detectives and say, Hey, you know what Ackerman looks like? Go get him! And they're like, What do and... we have
1: to go get him? Cause I told you, to. <laughs> dude, give him the line, Cory, give him the line. Hey, listen up! I need two volunteers that know David Ackerman's yeah. face. Wayne, Lance, get in an unmarked and go out looking for him. I want that fresh-faced punk picked up on sight. Lieutenant, give us a break. It's not just a job; it's a fucking adventure. And that was the one from the rehearsal. Yeah. <laughs> no, do whatever you want. It's a rehearsal.
0: One take Eastwood,
1: one take Clint.
0: So then we cut to a business building and Bloody Dash Charlie is. He walks right past the receptionist and she's like, You can't go in there. And he walks in and then we see his dad and he basically tells everybody, Like Get the, Get fuck, the fuck out. out. <laughs> I got shit to do. GTFO. And then I love how this,
1: this. I love how this. Because then he said, Do you need me to fax it to you? <laughs>
0: Yes. I love some, everybody, like, looks at the, his dad, like, what should we do? <laughs> I'm like, the dude just walked in the room all bloodied. I, I'd be running out the door, man. Dang, like, whatever. I'm out of here. Yeah, you probably have a gun. I'm out Big the They got
1: family business. Sounds yeah. weird here. Yeah, and I don't even
0: know if everybody there even knows that, that Charlie's his son because of how embarrassed and uh, scared it is for him yeah, about him and everything. Who knows? So he gets chased out of there, and, and now she's just scared. And Charlie, And he says, hey, man, I need money for... Save Nick, my partner. He's like, you know, man, I know you don't care, but I do. And this is my dude. And you try to buy me out. You try to buy me all my life. Now I just need to buy me some time. You know, that's actually was a terrible line, right? You can't buy me, dad, but you could buy me some time. And now they start having it out. And I don't even, I have a feeling this this may be the first time we've had this conversation about his brother's death. But now they're going yeah. out and they're going back and forth about blaming the other, each other, and about yeah, will blame game. Yeah, it's pretty dumb. He's like, "Dad, I need you to do this for me," <laughs> and and uh, he says, "All right, I agree. I'll, I agree to give you the money on one condition: you forgive yourself, you forgive yourself, and give yourself a decent life." Deal? And He goes, "No, <clears throat> no, yet. This is my life. This is my job." Help me, Dad. <laughs> I mean, I got to say, though, out of all the scenes in the movie, I think this is probably the one scene where Charlie doesn't kind of, he kind of does a, a passable job
1: in it. Right, because he's played he's played this out many times at home with Martin. <laughs>
0: with his dad. <laughs> I, I can't go back to rehab, Dad. Come on. Come on. Heidi's a nice girl.
1: <laughs> I enjoyed you in Apocalypse Now. Um, <laughs>
0: dad, I got it. I have a tribute to you in this movie I'm doing with Clint Eastwood. I'm going to.
1: I I learned it from you, Dad. Look at it. Where did you get it? Dad, answer me. Who
0: taught you how to do this stuff? You, all right? I learned it by watching you. All right, and here's the scene. (laughs) If we cut to Sonia Braga and Clint now in the warehouse, it's just the two of them, right? (laughs) I didn't know how I was gonna dress this whole scene, dude. I really didn't.
1: We can gloss over it because it's, you know, everybody knows Well, it is. I know we I mean, can't we we don't can have gloss over it. We, 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 it but we, don't, we, don't, we don't have to talk about it as long as it is on screen is what I'm saying.
0: Right, right. Well, anyway. Dude,
1: it goes on for fucking
0: 14 minutes. It goes on for a long time. Anyways, he wants some, Clinton asked for some water. She gets him some water. He drinks it. He's, she's pouring it down in her. He
1: spits in her face. He, yeah, he's,
0: she's pouring it so fast that he gets some extra in his mouth and blows it back in her face and, all that did was just get her hotter. <laughs> Keep in mind too, as she's pouring his—he's she's straddling him. <laughs> well, she's standing over him at this point, but she's now she's eventually straddling him because she like licks her lips after he spits all the water back on him, and then she takes out a razor blade and then she kind of gives him a little mark on his forehead. Now I don't know why. Why do you think she does that?
1: Uh, no idea. She's marking him. Uh, I have no idea, man. It's yeah. Weird.
0: I, I couldn't figure it out.
1: Some backstory. We,
0: but we I don't, don't know. know. But she's real fond about it, about the opening that she's putting this for it. Cause she licks the blood from his forehead. Yeah. <laughs> it just tastes like fear pig. It tastes and, like fear pig. And, the and she's got lines here. This is the most dialogue she has. And the rest of the movie in its entirety is in this moment right now. And she's just talking about cops and, you know, how they're nothing without their guns and all that, you know, And she's with the knife and again (laughs) with the razor blade. And she goes, If I ever find something that's useless to me, I just cut it off and throw it away as she's kind of like hovering over his nethers. Mm. Oh my gosh. And then she goes and puts a tape in the VCR. (laughs) Yeah. It hits record and all the security monitors that were looking at everything surrounding the warehouse now all have this camera on it that's pointing at Clint. I'm like, are you guys going to make a sex tape? They are. Oh, it turns out that's exactly what she's going to do.
1: <laughs> yep. This is been, and this is before Sliver.
0: Yeah. Here's a silver bullet around her neck. And she starts telling him about, hey, you know what? Strom's got one too. When one of us dies, the other one's going to take his own life with it. Romantic, isn't it? Like romantic. Now I'm really confused about what.
1: Yeah. <laughs> what their relationship is. Totally. <laughs>
0: So she puts it in his in Nick's mouth and says, bite it. And she's straddling him at this point, right? <laughs> all the all the matters from this point on is they have sex. And it looks like Clint is fairly uncomfortable in his moments in the movie in, in this in this scene too. I have to say, they were a couple at the time. And you've always heard how awkward it is for couples that that um actually are a couple in real life to have a scene like this.
1: Not these two.
0: No, they don't seem to have any problems. (laughs) So anyway, the silver bullet thing is is important because it will come into play later. And it's not just a references to the Stephen King movie. So we cut to David and he's talking to Sarah on the phone. He's still at the the office, his dad's office, updating her. And she says, oh, yeah, Luciana Garcia is here with me right now. And uh, David's like, all right, cool. You just stay with him and tell him. What does he say? I'm going to go after Strom. I forget what he says.
1: Yeah, basically. That's what he's saying.
0: And she's like, okay, you know, I'll tell him. And she gets off the phone and we turn and she's having a conversation with with uh, Garcia. And we turn I'm like, oh, shit, dude. It's, it's fucking loco, man.
1: The acting's not much different.
0: <laughs> no, probably not. The two cops that Garcia sent after, sent after Charlie. They're like, come on, homie, let's go. Garcia wants you downtown. Wait. What do you mean? Yeah, yeah, Garcia's downtown waiting for you. He's like, no, he's not. He's with. Me. And then he realizes that. Oh shit! Look, goes at my house with my girlfriend, wife, sister, cousin, whatever. Whatever she is, the girlfriend Twin Peaks. By the way, man, all the women in this movie, the love interest in this movie, it's very ambiguous about who the our relationship. I mean, it's not just it's, it's not just Charlie. It's also the Braga Strome thing. It's weird.
1: Oh yeah, I mean no, it is. It's
0: look if I, I I'm not seeing. The, the freaky aspect of their life isn't is, is is weird in that sense it's weird that like look if you're gonna have talk about them if you're gonna put them in bed together that means they're having sex explain to me who's who
1: yeah I just want to know
0: if you're gonna say to me you start using the word romantic talking about those two you explain to me who they are to each other I'm not asking for much because all you're doing is distracting me and going well who are you to each other and it's weird
1: well, it's, it's more so distracting with, with Liesl and Strom because yes. th- that I just like, what? In yeah. the hell? Cause to me, they seem like brother and sister, but again, I've already said what I think.
0: Anyway, so Dave was like, what the fuck? And he, so he kind of fights off these dudes and handcuffs them to each other <laughs> and he runs and gets on his bike and takes off. And now we're intercutting with Sarah and Loco at the house and Charlie racing on the motorcycle to get to her.
1: The only thing missing from this scene that could have made it any better was uh, Guns N' Roses, You Could Be Mine, should be playing blaring over the soundtrack as he's riding the motorcycle through Los Angeles. <laughs> but now we get some more jazz.
0: <laughs> so now Loco's like yanking phone cords from the wall. He at least three of them. I'm like, how many phones do you have in the living room? Yeah, right. Even back then. Maybe he lost his.
1: Uh, yeah, he his, lost his garage.
0: He lost his choke chain <laughs> at the cleaners.
1: Sure, sure. Left it on the sidewalk.
0: There's <laughs> like walks in with, with a coffee that, that she was making for both her and Gar- the, the fake Garcia, right? And she looks down the TV and sees the real Garcia on TV and, and with his name splashed over his face. And he's like, oh my gosh, that guy's not really Garcia. And she turns around and sees local there, and throws hot coffee in his face.
1: His face already looks like it had, it had coffee thrown in it.
0: Now we're more intercutting now. He's just beating her ass and while she's fighting back. And now she was already- a frail girl. She's already 98 pounds at most in this anyway. She's not a tall girl anyway. And I'm just thinking, man, you're getting tossed around and I don't think it would take much to render her pretty much the inability to physically move at all because she's so tiny. And I can't believe she, she didn't break any bones or anything like that.
1: Yeah, no, I'm shocked. Like because he has her by the wrist and like, yeah. I think mean, he's gonna break her forearm.
0: Yeah. David eyes the front door of the of his place with is and he just jumps through the crashes through the the front door and jumps on the local and they and they keep fighting. David's like beating his ass, you know. <laughs> As if I was really hoping he would have ran into him with a motorcycle. That'd have been funny. Right? So Loco just come, you know, just comes out with a kitchen knife now. <laughs> Charlie doesn't need any help, man. He's taking care of business. All of a your gunshots. <laughs> and Sarah just shoots Loco dead. Just shoots him, shoots him once in the back. He turns around and she puts a couple more into his front. Right. I oh, mean, I don't know about you, man. I think I made a joke about this in text form. him. I said, I can't believe that gun didn't break her bird wrists. You know, it's like she has. She's a tiny girl, and she's got nothing on her that. And there's no blowback in the gun at all. No. And I'm like, going, oh, how?
1: How lucky for her.
0: <laughs> <laughs> good for yeah, good for her. So now David's. Now we're back to pissed off David again, <laughs> yelling at her. <laughs> dude, yeah, he's going ballistic. It's like God. I mean, like holy shit, dude. I needed him alive, and she's just yelling. He's yelling at her. And he casually walks up and takes the gun from her and checks around, make sure she's okay, and then he says quietly and calm now maybe next time aim for the kneecaps. And she chuckles and goes, I was aiming for a kneecap. Right. And it gets all funny and cute. They smirk and embrace.
1: I feel like a few years later, we would see this couple as Mickey and Mallory.
0: That's (laughs) fair. Just yelling, man. Oliver
1: Stone saw this and went, you know, I'm going to write a whole, uh, Tarantino saw this movie and said, I'm going to write a whole scene. I'm going to write a whole movie around this scene.
0: So again, the Green Lotus joke comes back. (laughs) I mean, once was enough, right?
1: Please. yes, certainly was.
0: <laughs> I mean, they spent all that money painting the Lotus. They were going to use it a lot, apparently.
1: Yeah, man. Got to get your... You know, they ruined that car. They got to use it.
0: And so they're back to Strom and Max at the warehouse, preparing to leave. And Chris says, what about Loco? To Strom and Strom says, well, Loco hasn't called in. Why don't you handle it yourself and save me 50 grand? <laughs> and uh, so Max goes in and checks on Braga, and he gets in the Cadillac that's parked next to them. By the way, there's a bunch of cars that are upstairs, right? Oh yeah. And but the thing is, there's there's so much shit between the freight elevator and the cars. I'm like, you couldn't get the cars to that the elevator anyway. Cause there's like there's racks of shit everywhere. So these it's like they put the cars there and they propped everything up. Oh yeah. It was weird. And then Clint's like going on a little trip. <laughs> And then Brockett gives him some more Ellen bargain. Boom. And then Clint falls over in the chair. <laughs> and she goes to pick him up. He headbutts her and knocks her out.
1: Right. He gives her the reverse headbutt.
0: So he and he's like, oh, he's panicking now. He slides over to the floor to get to the gun. And, and then, oh, Max gets there first. Max is a typical SoCal guy. <laughs> chill or die, asshole. <laughs> chill or die, dude. Who says chill in 1990? Man. Max. <laughs> And he goes, oh, man, you wouldn't shoot $2 million in merchandise. Oh, fuck you. No, fuck you. And now he butts Max, too, and slams Max back into the the VCR. Now the sex tape starts playing back. Did you,
1: yep, playing everywhere at a theater near you. You're
0: like, what? And then there's, as they're struggling, the, the gun falls down the freight elevator. Then Max and Clint kind of fight their way over to the opening. The elevator, the freight elevator's not there. The is down below. And Clint's like choking Max out. And Max is just hanging <laughs> hanging down the shaft while he's just choking him out with his cuffs. Oh, it's nasty. Eventually, he dies and loosens him up and lets Max fall to the top of the elevator car. Mm-hmm. They cut the Strom, and he's pissed off because, you know, neither Max or Braga have come down. Right. Everybody's wasting his time. And that's another thing, too, about our series of movies. Everybody's worried. Everybody's pissed off because people are taking too long to get their shit done. So he pops in the freight elevator. Now, you've just like me been on our fair share of freight elevators, right?
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Freight elevators don't run if you don't close the door.
1: No, they do not.
0: So, but this one does. This one works that way. Yeah. Eh, whatever.
1: Special effects guys rigged it to work.
0: Yeah. And it comes into play of why it doesn't work later on. We see Clint peeking from the other side of Max's corpse on top of the elevator. And of course, at this point, Strom hasn't seen either one of them. And he was able to reach over and grab his gun. And he's just about to shoot Strom and a little bit of Max's blood drips on Strom's shoulder, which he meeks down and sees and he looks up and, he, and sees Clint pointing the gun at him and he, and he ducks out of the way just as he's shooting. And we cut to Braga and she's just not coming too, right? And, he's, and she doesn't know what the fuck's going on. She hears the gunshot. And this is what I was talking about before. And then Strom just runs out of the elevator before Nick can shoot again and heads up. And then he, she, he heads upstairs. Again there's no door. So he was able to immediately run out and get to safety. He gets upstairs. Uh, sorry. Strom gets upstairs. And he sees the sex tape playing everywhere. And then again, I can't tell if that's a look of disgust, a look of arousal.
1: <laughs> I am not sure either, man.
0: A look of again. Or like, okay. <laughs> it's like, all right, let's get him back up here. Then maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe he can, I can really go out with a bang. They both look down and see down the shaft. And Nick takes your shot, both of them, and they tuck back. And now strom starts monologuing. <laughs> hey, look, man, we've run out of time here, man. If you drop your gun, I'll let you live. But we don't need time to fuck around here, man. We need to get out of here. And right as this was about to happen, David pops around in the corner. Braga sees him, and more gunfight starts happening. And Braga and Strom they have a little shootout with him. And then Braga and Strom escape down the staircase. Not from David as much as from the building. <laughs> Right. Because they know the building's gonna blow. At this point, only Nick knows the place is gonna blow up and Dave has no idea. Like, man, well, they sure took off quick. And then we had a little bit of an interesting uh, some my fun exchange with Clinton Charlie talking about, you know, hey man, I was in dude, I was enjoying your sex tape, man.
1: Sheen's face when he looks at that is priceless. It's, yeah. it's the it's the funniest moment in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> His reaction to what's happening. Uh, he's like, oh, that look brilliant.
0: And Clint goes and hops into the Hops in the caddy, right? And he cut back to Braga and Stroman the van. Now comes the detonator. It's like, all right, you bastards! And he starts entering the code and Clint yells at Charlie, get in the fucking car. <laughs> now here's what I, I bothers me, and he tells him to fasten his seatbelt before he guns it, right? hmm But then he says it again when they're going through the air. Mike, wouldn't it have been funnier just to say it in the air? Yeah. And not and not the first time. Sure. And the move's already too long. Cut that line out in the beginning. Yeah, the editor would have fixed that too. Yeah, they could have. Just a snip. Anyway, so they gun it and they go flying out the window. And literally the the back end of the car hasn't even cleared the the glass in the place goes up. And this is very much a diehard two airplane yeah. blowing up, escape oh, yeah. seat kind of thing. And as they're flying through the air with this with this immense Fireball behind him. <laughs> Clinton yells, fasten your seatbelt again. And so they land on the other side, but they're going so fast. They don't have enough time. And they fall through the skylight and they come crashing down the floor. And then one of the numerous one-liners in this movie engineered like no other car.
1: Yeah. Yeah, again, that was that was that was the that was Cadillac's big commercial uh, back in the day. Right, that was their catchphrase for a few years. But now it's like, why are they saying it? <laughs> yeah, if
0: you don't know, then the line falls flat, and you're not gonna right. get it.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's like that insurance bit.
0: Nick tells David, "Hey, man, I'm going to the by myself." And so again, they start arguing again, like the married couple they are. Charlie goes to punch Nick this time, and now it's Clint catching the punch. <laughs> Right? Oh, my God. And
1: still making the Philo Beto face.
0: Yeah, and he makes a face and gives him the squinties. And Charlie tells Nick, he's like, all right, man, you know, just so you know, man, that ransom wasn't paid by my dad, man. I paid it. You know, and again, I mean, it's never very clear if he's the one that, pay, if he put his own money in or if he just, or he paid for it by having to agree with his dad, but we know he well, didn't agree Well, I think what he was dad. saying,
1: yeah, I think what he was saying was my, my old man didn't do it. I did it. Right. You know, basically.
0: I mean, we know that. i like, what the fuck you talking? I don't care. What you, yeah. yeah. Anyway.
1: It's just, it's, it's kind of like when he said, you'll find out as we go along. It's just like a douchey rich kid thing to say.
0: Right. Like, oh yeah, you'll find out. I mean, it's dumb. And so they cut to the exchange. There's a bag set in the middle of the road, cops everywhere. They let, they see the van pull up and so they let the van through. He's just about to pick it up. And right as that happens, a limo comes driving through the, the, the serpentine maze of cop cars everywhere. And they're like, what the hell's going on? And then Garcia gets out with Scarrett and he's got a totally different bag. And he says to the, the pickup guy, we didn't think we'd have it in time. But we do, and he show, opens up the case and shows them all the money. The, so the dude closes up the case, takes the suitcase, and gets in the van and bails. And then we cut you know, the, the van driving down the road, and then the, the lime green lotus skids <laughs> out in front of him and stops the van. At this point, Garcia and the captain have been following the van, and then they see Nick and Charlie. They're like, "What? what the what? What the what? And he cut back over and now the <laughs> Clint punches up the driver and then Charlie starts slamming the dude's face into the dash. Right. And then now the, the poor bastard's getting it from both ends. Now, and then he's had the balls to talk shit. And this is that cliche action movie line from the eighties and nineties. I saw you die. <laughs> <laughs> I saw you die. <laughs> you know, and then the line, welcome to hell asshole. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. Yeah. By the way, the close caption said, welcome to hell loser.
1: <laughs> That's almost better Actually It
0: is <laughs> anyway, so all three of them Take off in the van And, and now, <laughs> now The captain and Garcia Like what the hell's going on And then Garcia's oh, I don't know I'm, We're sure as hell Gonna back him up
1: We're gonna back him baby. Dude he's like yelling At the top of his lungs and yeah. Everyone's like Look at him like Dude have you been Dipping into the fucking You know You've been in the evidence locker back there <laughs> in the white pattern, Bolivian marching powder, dude.
0: Getting see, now we know why there was only talcum powder in those baggies, right?
1: He switched it out. <laughs> yeah, right.
0: By the way, colored talcum powder, because wasn't it red? The the, the heroin earlier? Uh
1: no, it was white. Was it? I thought it was red. No, it was that was like brick red. No, he had it all over <laughs> his fucking face. It looked red because everything in that hallway was red. Maybe that so. fucking light, dude. That yes. It was, it was lit But it was white It was all over his face Oh yeah. Oh
0: shit Anyway So so using the driver's plan escape route Because he knows that he had, he had an alternative route You know just so he ditched the cops They stopped the van And Garcia and the captain are like What the fuck did they stop for And they, there's the van just sitting there so long They get out and go check out the van They find that it's empty and then Garcia sees, like, there's a little trap door in the floor of the van. So he opens it up, and he sees that And a manhole cover moved aside, and they escape down the sewer. I'm like, ugh, oh, shit.
1: Literally shit.
0: Yeah. So our heroes and, and uh, Cruz, I'm guessing it's Cruz. We're going with that, right? Yeah. They come out of the sewer, and they find the backup van, and they make Strom. Hey, man, you better call and check in. He's like, no, they always call me. He's like, oh, bullshit. I know how Strom is, man. Mm-hmm. Call him. So he calls him and Strom's kind of giving him some, you know, busting his balls for, you know, for calling in late you're a little behind. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got delayed a bit and I'll be there in 15 minutes. And Strom's says, fuck that. You got 10. And off go our heroes, man. And he got to the tarmac. <laughs> On a tarmac near a private plane, the ransom van shows up and Strom greets the driver and, you know, Cruz gives him the money. And then Strom goes, oh, you <laughs> I mean, might say thank you or something to that effect. But then he really thanks him by putting one in his chest. So he makes his way back. He's walking back over this private plane and he's super proud of himself. He's like, Oh, look, and he's showing the case. Look at this. We got it. And all of a sudden, you hear this voice out of nowhere. Here's the interest. And we cut the Clint and he starts shooting at Strom. And then Strom shooting back. But now Braga pops out of the plane with the Uzi. And again, like you mentioned earlier, she's real fond of her machine guns in this. And she's just starts spraying their van.
1: Dude. <laughs> It's ridiculous. It's, it's, it's awesome and ridiculous all at the same time.
0: Right. And then they shoot enough for Brogan and Strom to get away with the case. And as this is happening, before they start pursuing him, Xander Berkeley pops out of the plane and he starts shooting. And he's got himself a nice little a little machine gun. I can't tell you what's well, not using the Uzi. He might have a Mac 10 in his range. He's got he's, a Mac. It's, yeah,
1: it's a Mac 10. And
0: he's spraying. And they're like, shit. But Clint stands up and takes him out and takes him a nice clean shot to the heart. And Xander falls back into the plane. So now they're chasing Brock and Storm across all these runways.
1: Dude, and this is where the music, this is where the music you can cue the Benny Hill music. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I, I dude, Raul Julia, wonderful actor, not a good runner. No. I am just it made me it, I I it, I was I literally was laughing at parts of this. It, it, not that it wasn't entertaining, but all I could think of was, my God, it's like this is like the moment, this is like heat there on the run. And then dude, but it's not. <laughs> It's not.
0: It's not because you know what you know. Where Michael Mann is uber smart in that whole scene in Heat, the similar scene, maybe even I don't know, bit from this a little bit. There's no music, right? That's it. It's just ambient sound. You don't even. There's not. There's almost no dialogue if there's any. Like the other thing is, I think yeah, because yeah, all their dialogue happens way before that. Anyway, doesn't matter. Heat better movie. So they're constantly exchanging gunfire across yeah, as they're running across the runway. And one lucky shot ends up hitting the case and it, it opens up the case and the money spills out everywhere. And then Roland's like, What the fuck? You know, and so he starts trying, starts trying to pick up the money and put it back in the bag or even just pick up handfuls of it to run off with it. But he's they're still taking shots from our heroes. So he's like, He realizes like, fuck, I, I gotta go. And so they make a run for it. Now, now Strom's plane's driving up their ass everywhere. <laughs> And apparently that nice clean shot to Xander Berkeley's heart that he took earlier. Um, well, it didn't kill him. <laughs> yeah. He yeah was,
1: was he wearing a vest?
0: <laughs> no, because if he did, he wouldn't have had a, you know, an eight inch bloody hole diameter in blood stain on his shirt. But all of a sudden uh, he's the pilot. And he's and at the first couple of times, I'm like, was there a fourth person on the plane? Because it couldn't have been him. Right. And then I would pause it long enough. Like, oh, man, what's that's him. <laughs> He's chasing after them everywhere. It's funny too because they cut to a couple insert shots of him, close up of him, so you know it's him. Which I thought was weird. but just leave it wide. Who cares?
1: Yeah, exactly. I was getting dizzy the in and out, the punch in, the punch. I was like,
0: Yeah, Joe Cox is a phenomenal editor, but I really felt like I think he was limited to what he had, footage wise. I don't think he had all the coverage that he wanted or needed in this case for a two hour movie. <laughs> you don't. You think that might not be true? So Xander's still trying to run him over <laughs> with the plane. And they shoot him enough to where they actually wound him, actually hit him while he's sitting up in the cockpit. And he loses control of the plane, kind of veers his way off to, off the onto another runway, and then, boom, <laughs> the wing of a commercial air, aircraft comes by and clips his plane. and Right? I'm almost positive he's dead now.
1: He has to be.
0: I think Xander's finally been killed, for those of you that don't know him. Xander, from anything other than this, he's also John Connor's foster dad, Tad from Terminator Two. Tad, <laughs> Dad, Tad. She's not my mom, Tad. Anyway, so they catch up to Strom and Braga. Now and they're getting inside the the back end of luggage carousels when they're you know loading, they're offloading from planes, and again more gunfire being exchanged, and it keeps going to the point where both Braga and Strom get separated. And Clint goes after Strom and 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 uh, Charlie goes after goes after Braga and Charlie they stick with Charlie though and Charlie's pursuit is now moved into a packed terminal and there's a tons of gunfire they're going up escalators and running up escalators they're not waiting for it just pushing them away, shoving their way past people and again tons of gunfire <laughs> the place is packed
1: nobody gets hit
0: by the way what airport is this.
1: Uh, I think it's in San Jose yeah I think that's
0: the airport in San Jose so so we're intercutting a little bit with with Charlie's pursuit in the terminal and I would cut back to to, to Clinton Strom and now they're still behind they're still behind closed doors so to speak at the airport you know amongst the the darker parts of an airport <clears throat> more gunfire then and then to cut back to inside the terminal again and a braga turns their gun <laughs> on two airport officers and Kills them instantly. I don't know why the second she turned around, they didn't just put her down, but whatever. Charlie appears from behind her. <laughs> Suddenly, out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. And she slowly turns around and he says. Amateur. And puts two in her chest. And then as she's kind of like standing there, he puts one more in her head.
1: Right. Because that's her, that's her MO. That's how she, that's what, that was what she did to people. Yeah. But she didn't put the bullet in his head. No. And it was, that was her one big mistake in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> and he wasn't gonna make it.
0: But unless you know, she got her she got her last cigarette with Clint in the warehouse. So. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh man. So now we come back to Strom and he's and he's now inside a terminal because he's made his way up the luggage conveyor belt. And Clint's in a hot pursuit, man, right behind him. And he's just about to shoot him and click, 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 and it just stops Strom and is cold in his tracks because he knows Clint's out of bullets. He cockily turns around and walks towards Clint and just puts one in his gut, man. No he- no hesitation. Just goes.
1: Belly shot, man. Gut shot him.
0: It's weird for a movie to have a gut shot like that. Because he goes, he knows it's painful. He knows it's the worst thing in the world. And most likely it's gonna he's gonna suffer quite a bit until I actually finally kill him. Um he wasn't afraid to blow him up just 10 minutes earlier or so, right?
1: Nah, but now he realizes, you know, slow painful death is the way to go.
0: <laughs> That's what I'm going for now. <laughs> And he walks and stands over him, almost monologuing in a way. He doesn't say anything; he just says goodbye. And then I don't know where you're. Strom, and there comes David. It turns and Strom turns around. David starts shooting, hits Strom, and he gets a lucky shot and hits Charlie in the leg. And you're like, "Oh man, he killed him good. Oh, he killed Strom." I go, "Man, that really should have been Clint's job to kill Strom." Yeah. Well, uh, we come back to the luggage pickup area, and as it turns out, guess what?
1: Strom's not dead. Strom's
0: not dead. Clint climbs on top of him very much like a braga yeah, climbed right? up on top of him.
1: Yeah, see? what goes around, comes around. <laughs> Apparently.
0: Was he went us he hot for a three-way.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying.
0: Yeah.
1: Right? <laughs> and now they're on a carousel, and they're going around and round and we cue
0: Stephen Piercy and Rat. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Well, 1984, Stephen piercing, not the two, not not the the 2019 one. uh -uh. So Clint tears off the silver bullet necklace around Strom's neck, and he's like, "A man's got to live up to his words."
1: And Strom said that was a gift from Gary Busey, and then Beastwood doesn't even
0: fucking (laughs) (laughs) flinch.
1: He looks confused for a moment, and then he's like, "That fucking security guard only had five bullets in his gun,
0: right?" How about that. Dude, how weird is that though? That that
1: bullet around his neck fits
0: in that gun. The silver bullet thing. How come they, why doesn't he ask him? like why is it a silver bullet? Why does it need to be a silver bullet? I don't know, man. You know what I'm saying? That's what I mean. It's like why doesn't why doesn't Nick ask why isn't what?
1: No, I think it's you know why because I think that uh, I think Corey Haim was the first choice to play David Ackerman, <laughs> and it was the way it was a nod to Corey because he was off doing License to Drive instead. <sighs> That's and it. Clint, you know, Clint felt like you know we got to do a nod to Corey in this film.
0: <laughs> Good looking at Haim, <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Red. Anyway, so he takes he takes the so ball off of Strom's neck says a man's gotta live up to his words and loads the bullet in his gun after he dumps out all the shells. There's gotta be a hundred reasons why I don't blow you away. Right now, I can't think of one. Now, if there was any dirty hairy lines in this movie, yeah, <laughs> there it is. It, this is like almost like go ahead, and make my day. Oh, and yeah. it's also, it's the it's the bullet count thing again. You have to ask yourself, did I fire five times or did I fire sure. six? It Right. I mean, he, that's why he makes the point of having only five rounds in the gun. Right. He's he's kind of goofing on himself a little bit.
1: Yeah, totally. He's got to, he, Clint's got a good sense of humor. Clint's yeah. actually pretty funny in this movie when the jokes do land.
0: <laughs> when they land. When they land. And they cut to the Strom with his gun in his face, and he doesn't scream. He just kind of builds up his scree. I want to say screech. He's not like really screaming. And Clint just shoots him in the face and kills him. Yeah. And then you, and then when you see him on the conveyor, just kind of moving away, you're thinking on the carousel. You're like man, I would have thought there'd been more blood from being a foot away from his face. <laughs> right, there's like yeah, almost that's... no spray behind his head or anything like that. Whatever. It's a 90s movie. What do you want? Uh, well, let's call it an 80s movie because it's 1990. Yeah, yeah. It was, Go it's with an that. 80s movie. Anyway, <laughs> so he says, so Clint says, I mean, don't we tell you you always aim for the heart? And Charlie repeating his, his girlfriend, sister, cousin's line.
1: <laughs> right.
0: I was aiming for the heart. <laughs> and we come back to the station. Now, Charlie's the man now. And everybody's talking up Charlie like they talked up Nick at the beginning of the movie after his partner S- was
1: murdered. Right. Sorry about Nick, man. I'm terrible. I was <laughs> real sorry to hear about Nick.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I always knew he was going to get it. <laughs> I
1: always knew he was going to get it.
0: And you and you realize how ambiguous the things that they're saying are, but right. you just assume he's dead because they're. But
1: they're exactly the same lines. They're exactly the same lines that they yeah. said earlier. Right
0: after after Hal was killed. Sure, with good reason. Yeah, makes his way into Garcia's office and starts like ah, tenant blah 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 blah, and then oh wait, whoa, that's not Garcia.
1: It's Nick. Nick. He's not dead. What?
0: I think I was more surprised to see him behind the desk than I was that he wasn't dead. <laughs> you sure, know? yeah. So Clint and Charlie are having their exchange and they're talking things up, and then very much like that. basically we're getting a we're getting a doppelganger situation of the original scene where Charlie and Nick met for the first time, and now there's some woman standing there. <laughs>
1: David is more Nick, right? And there's a woman standing there who looks yeah. terrified.
0: And they, they get introduced to each other and he shakes her hand and he shuffles her out the door, not unlike what Nick did to him earlier. And then he says, let her back in.
1: That's your new partner,
0: David. This is Heather Torres. <laughs> this is your new partner. By the way, the, the, the girl that plays that plays Heather Torres, that's Roberta Vasquez. You know what Roberta Vasquez has done? Nothing. Nothing.
1: I, th- I was going to say, does she even have a line? Cause I think she's, a, I think she's just background.
0: No. Yeah. She doesn't say, she doesn't say anything. She doesn't have
1: a line. No. no. She, and she looks like a background yeah. artist. Like the way she's standing there terrified. It's the way that it happens when you pick a, you pluck somebody out of the background and throw them in front of camera.
0: Yeah. She, she like says the actress, nothing.
1: The real actress didn't show up that day.
0: This woman was a real cop.
1: Oh, she, well, she just looks like, she looks very uncomfortable in front of camera. And I know it's part of the gag.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's
1: weird. Cause she just looks like it's, it's funny. Cause I was, I was convinced that, that she was just background. Yeah. She looks like the, the uniform doesn't fit her.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And she doesn't say a word.
0: She went on to, she was in a bunch of sexploitation action movies from the eighties and nineties.
1: Yeah. Like Picasso trigger.
0: Yeah. She also was a, a cop. Which I thought was kind of weird, but she ended, she ended up going back to school and um she's a mortgage broker apparently now <laughs> in L.A. So he meets his new partner Heather Torres yeah and uh, then they walk out no one I don't like Charlie and yeah. and uh, Clint walked out before busting their balls and all that stuff and and of course she's got a sign on her back too yep same shot and it says I want your sex. And he takes it off and crumbles it up and throws it down. Now I'm almost positive some studio exec wanted that George Michael song right there. Sure, had to have right because it's a perfect song to put in the credits at the end. But no, I want your sex in the sign, and if we go back to our jazzy music <laughs>
1: for yeah, the credits, man.
0: and uh, that's the rookie.
1: Yeah. I want to say, despite all of that, I still enjoyed the movie somehow. Yeah. All of this goofy shit, the joke's not landing, you know, it, and us kind of poking fun at certain things. And But, I mean, it, it, again, I feel like it's a kind of a shaggy dog of a movie. It's a movie that, is it as good as I remember it? It's kind of exactly what I remembered it being, and I kind of feel like I just, now things are even more, like, they stand out more to me, like, goofy and kind of dumb things but i still kind of love the
0: movie and when we fall into our our criteria is better remembered or remembered better i remember it being better but i don't hate it i don't dislike it i don't i I, i'm somewhere between liking and loving it i admire it (laughs) i don't i don't feel like it's particularly um
1: I just didn't want to pick, you know, Unforgiven or any of the odd ob- Million Dollar Bay, you know, Mystic River or might play Misty for me. You know, any of the obvious kind of, I kind of like, you know, doing a deep cut. And this is a, this is a real deep cut. Right. But it was, a, it was a well-known movie. It was publicized. It's not like, you know, it's not like White Hunter Black Heart. Right. Or something, you know, Clint's made some interesting things like Bird and... Perfect World, one of my favorite Clint movies. So when, when we said Clint Eastwood and I threw out, you know, this is a title, I didn't mean it like, I, w- I didn't do it so we could sort of riff on it because I do enjoy it, but it's riff it's worthy.
0: That's what I was saying before. It's like, like, I got say for us picking movies, it's the first time. I think we just picked something and we were like both in, in agreement. It's definitely remembered better for me, but I I, I still enjoy watching. It. It's still fun. And you know what? If it weren't for Raul Julia in it, and to a lesser extent, Sonia Braga, I would feel that this is, it would be in the running for riff tracks because everybody, because somebody else would have come in and played those parts
1: yeah,
0: and played them to match everybody else in the movie where everybody was a little over the top. We talked for two hours and 45 minutes about how great Raul Julia is in general and how great he excels in this movie In this movie... Isn't his usual fare? I'll just say that and I think he was probably wasn't beneath him. Was probably. Are you trying affair. to say he was slumming? <laughs> no, and that's what I mean. I'm.
1: Well, it's not what you're used to seeing him do. It's kind of a, right. a stock, stock villain twirl your mustache role.
0: Right, right. and it, but that's what's great thing about the way he handled it. He was so controlled in it.
1: He makes it interesting to watch. Right. His take on it is not what you expect or what you usually got during this point in the late 80s, early 90s, right? In these kind of movies.
0: Right. You're you're not particularly going... You're not usually around the time when these movies are made and he, a villain in his position, you're usually going, you can't wait till the villain gets his. You can't wait till the baddie gets his turn and, and a little payback for all the shit he's caused. He, I mean, granted, he did kill... Clint's partner, but you still don't after him the whole time because he is a lot like Alan Rickman in Die Hard. Sure. Absolutely. I was going to say that. He's so good in it. The part isn't necessarily written so well. It's just that, all right, well, I want to mold this and make it my own. Like every great actor does. And like I said, he elevates the material. It's probably the best way of putting it. He elevates the material. Yeah. Easily the best part about the movie and without, without question Clint, like we said, mentioned earlier, he likes to surround himself with the usual folks. Not always the usual same folks on camera, but definitely his crew, which is why they oh, yeah. such a well-oiled machine. And then he'll bring in the outside sources, the big, the, the pros that he knows can step in and kind of do their thing, like with Morgan Freeman in Million Dollar Baby, or Kevin Costner in A Perfect World. You know that kind of thing. Yeah, Clint is always this guy. He, you, you know what you're going to get. Even before you see Space Cowboys, you know what you're gonna get. Yeah, man, sure. And I think that no matter what Clint Eastwood movies, when he's helming them, you're gonna get pizza every time. You're not gonna get California pizza where you're like, "What the hell is this shit," but you're gonna get tasty pizza every time, and it's and it's worth. Yeah, yeah. Is it better on the reheat? No, not necessarily. But it's, right, it's still pizza. It's still a good time. Get it while it's
1: hot. <laughs> Get it while it's hot. Yeah. Um, it's funny. I've, if I was to jump ahead 10 years or so, Bloodwork comes to mind. Yeah. You know, Bloodwork is another movie that I don't necessarily know if I love the movie, but right. I enjoy the shit out of it when I'm watching it. Right. But I don't know that I think it's a great movie. And, you know, right. that's how I think about The Rookie. It's in the, in the body of Clint's work. It would definitely be considered lower tier by pretty much everyone, but you and I maybe. (laughs) But there's, like I said, there's a shaggy dog sort of vibe to it where Clint was making, I want to say maybe it started with maybe Sudden Impact. Yeah. The films that he started directing like, you know, through the 80s and up until, I'm going to say Unforgiven is kind of where people started, you know, everything Clint Eastwood did after that, you know, people love it and, you know, it gets the highest praise. But, yeah, it's not a terrible movie, but it is a terrible movie. But I guess Clint Eastwood's terrible movie is still better than, you know, <laughs> Rennie Harlan's terrible movie. So
0: um, Rennie Harlan's mediocre. Rennie
1: Harlan's best movie isn't as good as, uh, as The Rookie. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I kind of dig Die Hard, too. But I got to say, I don't dig Cliffhanger after trying to rewatch it.
0: No, no, I no, I agree with the Cliffhanger. No, but I mean like. Um, you like
1: Ford Fairline? Is that where you're going?
0: <laughs> no, I was going to say I like Long Kiss Goodnight. I do too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's a movie we're going to talk about one day.
0: But that's that Shane Black, you know, yeah, script that makes I mean- that work.
1: I think, like we, we talked about earlier, the script for this movie is kind of the weakest link, and, you know, Clint's kind of working with what he has uh, on the paper, and, you know, he's making a Clint Eastwood movie, and have we seen all these, have we seen this movie before? Absolutely. Have we right. seen this movie better than this? Sure. Have we seen it worse than this? Sure. Oh, yeah. The things that I dig about this movie are the performances of Julia Braga and in Clint. Like, cause this is, you could say Clint was on autopilot doing his Clint Eastwood thing, but this is the Clint Eastwood that I love. Like whether it's Dirty Harry Light or if it's Dirty Harry, part Dirty Harry, part Bronco Billy, part fucking Philo <laughs> Beto that's who, you know, he's kind of a wise-ass. Obviously, there's some tongue-in-cheek with Clint, and, you know, it's 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 good. Charlie was a mess, I guess, probably during this time period. Oh, you know, I bet. If you know, if you read all the, the stuff, the history of this film, you know, Eastwood had to come and sort of step in and say, hey, dude, you're fucking up, and kind of, you know, take Charlie under his wing to get this movie finished. I don't know if any of that's true. That's just, you know, if you read some of the history and some of the trivia about, you know, the making of The Rookie, you get all that. But, you know, at the time, Charlie was a hot item, man. He was in, you know, three, four movies a year, right? This is like Young Guns, Young Guns. Uh, this is Young Guns. This is No Man's Land Time. This is uh, The Rookie. This is, you know, this is all those movies. I mean, Char- there's, there's a point where, you know, like I said, Charlie Sheen was in three movies a year or four, you know, whether he was in a whole movie or if he was in, you know, a piece of a movie, he'd show up. You know, and this went on until the mid '90s. So, you know, where does this rank in? The, where do you rank this in your Charlie Sheen movies? Because it definitely, to me, it ranks higher than like the Chase or any of those kind of movies. Well, let's think about it, man,
0: for a minute. What, what, what Charlie Sheen movies are really right? <laughs> you know, that, that I mean, you're you're saying a lot right there alone wow. just by asking the question. And it's, it's a very much a loaded question because I'd be like, are any of them really worth watching again?
1: Well, you know, I'm going to go out and say I, I just rewatched Men at Work and I had a really good time watching it.
0: Yeah, but I don't. Yeah, it's a movie that's, yes. Yeah,
1: it, it's, we know what Men at Work is. It's a movie about two garbage men.
0: Yeah. How I, could I've, it not be good? I find, I find it's less about Charlie and more about,
1: you Yeah, know. and Keith David and uh, yeah. Milo Estevez and. Everybody in it, right. It's yeah. kind of like, it's not really a Charlie Sheen movie. No. So, um, I, I,
0: I got to say though, Pepe is playing Lieutenant Garcia in this. I've seen him in other stuff. I've never seen him stand out the way he does in this with the overacting. And I almost feel like maybe he was annoyed with the script and just said, all right, man, I'm going to, I'm going to lay this out there. And I go, I don't know, whatever. Uh, but again, like you were saying before, I man, Clint is very efficient with his, with his, um, with his takes. So he may just got one or two and say, well, that one's not as bad as the other one. Use that one. But I don't, I don't know. I got to feel like th- he had some kind of motivation to kind of, uh, I don't know, really go at it. Because uh, I don't feel like he needed to. <laughs> I mean, maybe we had the time because all the lieutenants and captains and stuff being portrayed in movies were all big yellers. I don't know.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, I don't know. I
0: think that all, all that
1: started with 48 Hours.
0: I truly don't know. Or
1: Beverly Hills Cop. One of them, you know, it, you get that whole like... You know, Frank McCrae or Inspector Todd. I, I feel like everybody kinda, you know, and this is the end of that run, kind of right. Starting up right after this, you know, we started getting, you know, films like True Romance and you know, the action movies started to change. Right.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. I think middle of the pack sounds about right. Sure. I mean, which was kind of fitting, you know. If I were to if I were to splash a Rotten Tomato score on this, it'd probably be a solid 78, 80. Yeah. So there. I,
1: like, I, like I, if I, was, I would I would give this movie, uh, if I was doing it on the 100-point scale, you know, it would get around, you know, a C plus, like a, a 72, 73 yeah. for me. It's yeah. got stuff that I like in it. For me, like, again, those, the the three. three Oh yeah. Eastwood, Julia, and Braga make it fun. Um, and, and there's some great set pieces. Do you like it? And, and things look cool. I love when they go into that bar and hit, you know, his bit with the... Uh, Little Felix, uh, you know, the bit and the thing, you know, the the dog thing is kind of funny. Uh, overall, somehow the movie works for me. Like, I, I enjoy watching it. I mean, I don't know that I'm going to watch it again anytime soon. <laughs> but, um, you know, I hadn't seen it in a while. And it seemed like, uh, you know, it seemed like something that we could talk about and have fun and, and not take Clint too serious. Because I don't think, I think there's times when when Clint doesn't take himself that serious. And I think is one of those times.
0: But there you go. The rookie, 1990. The rookie. So again, is it worth? Is it worth? It's a fun to watch. Um, Yeah. I was, if you haven't seen it before, go for it. If you've seen it before but haven't put in time in in a long while, like if it was for me, then go for it. It's not like you don't have a ton of free time right now.
1: Yeah.
0: Have fun with it.
1: You know, take listen to this and then take a look at it and you'll see all the things we're talking about.
0: <laughs> watch the movie. You'll I think you'll have a good time with it and uh, report back anything that you know we may not have touched on. We've covered a lot in this episode and we still didn't cover a lot of points in it.
1: <laughs> this ha- this might have to get broken into two episodes.
0: <laughs> Dude, I'm seriously considering it honestly. <laughs> Alright, so if you want to follow us on social media you can follow Corey on Twitter at Corey Cope or the official at Pod, or on Letterbox at Corey underscore Cope. Or if you like to be so generous as to support the show on Patreon, it's patreon.com slash KITG podcast. If you'd like to follow
1: me, you can follow me at Raven Shattuck on Twitter, Rock and Roll of 33 on your Instagram, or at Tom Cody on Letterboxd. Tom uh-huh. Cody.
0: We've been going for three hours and five minutes, by the way, since I hit record.
1: woof.